And the king of Assyria sent the Tartan, the Rab Saris, and the Rab Shekah from Lachish with a great army against Jerusalem to King Hezekiah. And they went up and came to Jerusalem. Uh, and, and when they had come up, they went and they stood by the aqueduct from the upper pool, which was on the highway to the Fuller's Field. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. The Rabshakeh, or better known as the field commander of the Assyrian army, seemed to be in complete command of the situation. He could walk right into the city of Jerusalem and stand at the crucial water supply, which was Jerusalem's lifeline, in a siege attack. As he stood there, three officials from Hezekiah's government came to meet him. We might wish that Hezekiah trusted in the Lord and that this is what the Reb mocked. Instead, Hezekiah put his hope in an alliance with Egypt and the Reb wanted him to lose confidence in that alliance. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. A a twisted friendship dues. You know, you're friends with me as long as I pay you, but as soon as I stop paying you, you're going to come after me, right? And so King Hezekiah sent to the king, and he said, I've done wrong. Turn away from me. Whatever you impose on me, I will pay. And this is the only thing written in the scripture about Hezekiah that was really negative. Everything else was stellar. And and I love that because God knew this about uh, Hezekiah. Hezekiah was in a very deep strait here because he's being surrounded now by uh, Sennacherib, and and he's already taken many of the cities in Judah, the fortified cities. So he's thinking, we're next. And indeed, that was the case. They were next, and Hezekiah's like, you know what, what do you want? Do you want gold? Do you want a, you know, a gift card to Dunkin' Donuts? I mean, what is it you want? I'll give it to you. Do you want the keys to my Lexus or my Lexi? Because I got more than one, plural. My Lexi, my fleet of Lexi. Um, what, what is it that you want? And so, says, whatever you impose on me, I'll pay. And the king of Assyria assessed Hezekiah, meaning he exacted money from him, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. Now, you and I, that may not mean like a lot, but I did the math. 300 talents is equal, equivalent to 11 tons of silver. And as of March 2nd, I did look at the price of silver. That's about $7.3 million just in silver. And he gave him 30 talents of gold. And, that is, and one ton of gold is uh, equivalent to $59 million at $843 an ounce today. So what, how much money did he give him in total? 66.3 million smackaroos. That's a lot of money. And that's in our, in our money today. So Hezekiah, verse 15, gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord. Think of that. All the ornamentation, all the stuff that was silver and gold, he, he got it off, he stripped it off. 
And uh, he stripped the gold from the doors of the temple, verse 16, of the Lord, and from the pillars which Hezekiah himself, king of Judah, had overlaid, and he gave it to the king of Assyria. So here, Hezekiah finally breaks down as he sees that this formidable foe had captured all these cities, and, and certainly Jerusalem was next. And and, and by the way, Shalmaneser, this is not something that he's just doing to Hezekiah. Remember in 2 Kings, he did the same thing to Hosea, the very last king of Israel. He did the same thing with them. He told them to give them money, give them money. And when he stopped giving money, he came against them. So the same thing is happening here. So the events, as we look at verse 17 through 37, took place about 13 or 14 years after Sennacherib's first invasion that we saw in verses 13 through 16. So now, this is Sennacherib's second and final invasion before God is finally going to have, have it up to his ears with this man's pomp and pride. And it's interesting, God, think of the, 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 the patience of God. And as we get into this, notice just how the bravado that Sennacherib and, and uh, this, uh, his uh, governor, Rabshakeh, Rabshakeh, just the, the arrogance that he's going to boast against the Lord. So again, this is about 13 or 14 years after that uh, first um, campaign. And notice in verse 17, Then the king of Assyria sent the Tartan, the Rabsaris, and the Rabshakeh from Lachish with a great army against Jerusalem to King Hezekiah. And they went up and came to Jerusalem. Uh, and, and when they had come up, they went and they stood by the aqueduct from the upper pool, which was on the highway to the fuller's field. Now, underline Tartan and Rabsaris and Rabshakeh. These are all Assyrian titles. You might even have it in the footnote of your Bible. It, they're titles of different uh, heads of state. And the Rabshakeh, who we're going to really be hearing from, he's really the governor, if you will. He's like the chief of staff. And so, verse 18, And when they had called to the king, Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, Shebna the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came out to meet him. So um, you can see, just picture in your mind this siege that they're, they're coming against Jerusalem. And these guys are standing on the wall, and they're, and they're interfacing with this Rabshakeh. And so Rabshakeh, verse 19, says to them, Now say to Hezekiah the king, and so he's now the Rabshakeh, the governor of the king of Assyria, Shalmaneser. He comes and he, he's pounding his chest. He's probably got his leather on and he's probably got his chest out and he's looking all proud. Say now to Hezekiah, thus says the great king. Oh, you mean Jesus? No, that's not who he's thinking of. He's thinking about Shalmaneser V. He should plead the fifth, by the way, and keep his mouth shut. So Shalmaneser V, <laughs> he says to him, What confidence, say to the great, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, what confidence is this in which you trust? You speak of having plans and power for war, but they are mere words. And in whom do you trust that you rebel against me? Does that sound like a really humble gentleman? Or does that sound like Smaug from the, the Hobbit? You're going to come against me? 
Now look, you are trusting in the staff of this broken reed, Egypt, on which if a man leans, it will go through his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who trust in him. But if you say to me, we trust in Jehovah our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and said to Judah in Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem? Now therefore, I urge you, give a pledge to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you two thousand horses if you're able to have any to be able to put riders on them you see how he's taunting them he's boasting in his great power and the great king of assyria you come against me and we'll give you we'll even you give us some money and we'll give you two thousand horses if you can find anybody any man enough to stand and ride these horses in the battle full of pride so full of pride you can almost feel what's going to happen can't you because this is a, an insult, not only against them, but against Jehovah God. And, and they keep poking God in the eye. And you poke God in the eye long enough, and you're going to get it. Especially if you're a pagan king or a pagan nation. Poking, 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 you're going to get smashed. Anybody who's come against Jerusalem has gotten smashed. They have. Historically, it's always happened. It doesn't mean that they haven't gone into captivity. They have. But those nations who plundered them got plundered themselves. God made sure of it. Verse 24. How then will you repel one captain of the least of my master's servants and put your trust in Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Have I now come up without the Lord against this place to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up and against this land and destroy it. Do you think God says go up this land and destroy it? Do you think he said that? No, he didn't. He's going to call Babylon to do it, but he didn't call the Assyrians to do it. God called the Assyrians to come down and take his people. In the northern tribes, yes, but God didn't give them license to come in. And here he is trying to play psychological warfare. It's one thing to have bombs and airplanes and, and, and infantry and ships and, and missiles, but to play a psychological warfare, that's what he's doing here. He's playing a psychological warfare with them. <laughs> Has you, and so he's saying, you know, um, that the Lord, your God, Jehovah, has called me up against you. And it wasn't true. God never called them up against. He was going to call Babylon. But notice... Then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, Shebna, and Joah said to Rabshakeh, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it. And do not speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the people who are on the wall. So what do you think that they did? <laughs> they continued speaking in Hebrew. So these gentlemen who were on the wall are saying to us, Speak in a different dialect so we can spare these people from the worry that, of the things that you're going to say. And, uh, and it didn't work. It was worth a shot. Because it might have spared the people from panicking. But the Rabshakeh said to them, Has my master sent me to your master and to you to speak these words and not to the men who sit on the wall, who will eat and drink their own waste with you? Then the Rabshakeh stood and called out with a loud voice in Hebrew and spoke, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. For he shall not be able to deliver you from his hand, nor let Hezekiah make you trust in Jehovah God, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This king shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. 
And notice again their tactics. The Rabshakeh, his tactics, what is it? It's fear. If you, can, if you can play with the head of your opponent before you actually do anything, you know, the battle is half won. If you can get the morale down so low and start attacking them, attacking their, their, their heritage, attacking their whatever strength they might have in the physical, and then attacking their God. And that's exactly what they did. They boasted in the king of Assyria and his power. They belittled the Jews' heritage and their strength. They belittled the things that they put their confidence in. And unfortunately, at one point it was Egypt. And they belittled God and his power to deliver the Jews. And again, all psychological warfare. So in verses 31 and 32, as we go on, Rabshakeh is now going to appeal to their flesh by promising them safety if they don't resist him. And when he does come and take them captive, they'll be able to go into a land of plenty like they are in now. And so he's basically going to appeal to their lesser nature and try to get them to cave in and, and loosen their morale Notice what he says in verse 31. Don't listen to Hezekiah. For thus says the king of Assyria, Make peace with me by a present and come out to me, and every one of you will eat from his own vine, and every one of you his own fig tree, and every one of you drink the waters of his own cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land. Notice that, like your own land. A land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive groves and honey that you may live and not die. But do not listen to Hezekiah, lest he persuade you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. So in verses 33 through 35, Rabshakeh tries to cause the people to lose their confidence in God. And comparing Jehovah God to like all the other gods in the nations that Assyria had already conquered. The Rabshakeh and the king of Assyria and the pagan idolaters, or they are pagan idolaters, excuse me. And as a result, they don't believe in Jehovah. They don't believe in the God of the Jews. And the God of the Jews is the God of all creation, not just another local deity. We know him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords, right? The God of all creation. He made it all. So they certainly don't believe that Christ, that God, that Jehovah, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But they will learn. Because in the chapter following, in verse 35, God's going to use an angel of the Lord to kill 185,000 of them in one night. Spoiler alert. So verse 33 He continues on with his boast. Has any of the gods of the nations at all delivered its land from the hand of the great king Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim and Hena and Iva? Indeed, have they delivered Samaria from my hand? And you can just hear him boasting and the people getting lower and lower and lower and just, you know, he's right. Hopefully the people of Judah didn't forget who their God was. There may have been some that were shaking their knees on the, on the wall or behind the wall as they could hear the voice being echoed over, the, over the, the wall in Jerusalem. Notice what it says in, in Psalm 115. The psalmist says, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory. Because of your mercy, because of your truth, 
Why should the Gentiles say, so where is their God? And that's exactly what they're doing. Why should the Gentiles say, so where is their God? And the psalmist replies, but our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they don't speak. Eyes they have, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. Noses they have, but they can't smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they don't walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them, and so is everyone who trusts in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. I love that. That was a fitting psalm for the situation they're in. O Israel, trust in the Lord your God. Who cares about the gods of Sepharvaim and Hamath and all those? You serve the king of kings, the one who spoke all things into existence. Serve and trust him. And God is going to help Hezekiah. And he's going to help out Jerusalem immensely. And we're going to see it in the next chapter. And I can't wait to get to it because it's my favorite part. <laughs> so verse 35, he says, he continues on with his flapping of his mouth. Who among all the gods of the lands have delivered their countries from my hand that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand? I've got all these other kings, kingdoms and these other towns. What difference is it? I'm going to take yours too. It's just going to be that simple. It's math. I did all that, I'm going to do that too. And one thing that God really hates is pride. We know this, pride in Psalm and Proverbs, excuse me, verse 16, chapter 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And he, this man's going to fall. Proverbs 6, verse 16 says, These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. And do you know that Rabshakeh is guilty of every single one of these things as he is out in the field blaspheming the people and blaspheming their God? And he's even trying to pit them against one another. Don't listen to Hezekiah. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's going to lead you right into the pit. But you come to me and I'll give you all the vines. You can go into a nice land of plenty like the one you're in now. Just come out. Just come out. A liar. Verse 36, but the people held their peace. And they answered him not a word. For the king's commandment was, do not answer him. So Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, Shebna the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, they came to Hezekiah with their robes torn and told him the words of Rabshakeh. Now let's go right into chapter 19, and we're going to read through this with some pauses here and there, and then we'll take communion together. But notice, this is where it gets really interesting. The great God is about to show up. Aslan is about ready to roar. <laughs> and I love this. Can you just see that big lion? If you saw the, the, Narnia, the Chronicles of Narnia, and the lion Aslan gets up on top of the rock, and he sticks out his chest, and he belts out a roar, and everybody hears it, and everybody submits. And see, when God speaks, people listen. He's got better attention span than E.F. Hutton. He, he demands attention more than E.F. Hutton. Remember E.F. Hutton? When he talks, people listen. Well, I don't care about him, but I care about God. When he speaks, we ought to listen. And he's going to speak. And he's going to speak some words that are going to pierce right through the heart 
of the Assyrians. Notice in verse 1, and so it was. When King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes. And that was just a sign of the Jews when they, when they were uh, upset or, or fearful or whatever. They would tear their clothes and they would uh, put at, um, sackcloth on themselves. And they would sometimes cover themselves with, with, with dirt or in ashes. And so he covers himself with sackcloth and then he goes into the house of the Lord. And what a great response for what has just happened to him. What does he do? When, when all of these threats are coming against him, you know, does he, does he go and look into the back room and grab a bottle of whiskey and, and, and you know, drown his sorrows? No, what does he do? He humbles himself and he goes in before the one who can do something. He goes before God, and so it was. Verse 2, then he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, and Shebna, the scribe, and the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth. They too were humbled, and they sent them, he sent them to Isaiah the prophet, who was a contemporary of Hezekiah at this time, the son of Amos. And again, notice the humility of Hezekiah. He goes to the Lord in humility, and he also brought out, he also, excuse me, sought out um, Isaiah the prophet. And that's a really good move. What does the Bible tell us in James 4, verse 10? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and what? And he will lift you up. He will lift you up. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Notice, we don't have to lift ourselves up. Hezekiah was already feeling pretty low. He was surrounded. He didn't really know exactly what God was going to do yet. So he's feeling very low and he's thinking, you know what? We may get our gooses cooked. This may be the end. And so he does the right thing. He humbles himself, and God is going to lift him up, just like he does us. When we remove the pride from ourselves and we we stop being prideful and trying to work it out in our own flesh and our own ingenuity, when we fall to our knees and say, Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm at my wit's end. I've tried everything. I've maxed out my credit card trying to fix this problem. I need you to help. I don't know what to do. You know, do that. Go to the Lord in humility. You know, a humble heart is like an irresistible thing to God. And be patient. It's irresistible to him. When you humble yourself before him, it's like you become like a magnet to him. Because a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he won't quench. Verse 3, and they said to him, Thus says Hezekiah. And they said to him, so Hezekiah sends these men to Isaiah the prophet, and they said to him, Isaiah, they said, Thus says Hezekiah, this is a day of trouble and rebuke and blasphemy, for the children have come to birth, but there is no strength to bring them forth. And In other words, we're in trouble, and is God going to help us? Isaiah, what, 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 what are you seeing? What Can you, you know, intercede for us? What, what is the Lord doing? And then he goes on in verse 4, It may be that the Lord your God will hear all the words of the Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God. Notice, he's reproaching the living God. Notice who it's all about now. It's not even about them so much. Do you hear the, the difference? Hezekiah is not saying, Look what they did to me. I'm the king of, of, of Jerusalem, and they blaspheme my name. No, it wasn't about him at all. That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.